Three shots, four part, I just do two, one pup, pop four, birdie, woohoo, new driver, info, replace, M2, pop five, fairway, what you fin do? Think I'll try to get on into start right, good line, good view, it drew, shoot him McGavin, two thumbs that's up high. We have Gareth Rafluski. Am I getting that right, Gareth? Yeah, I, I think Rafleski would be kind of the Irish way to say it, but over in Canada, a lot of people do say it that other way, but that's just fine. You know, um, we're in the NHL playoffs right now, so I'm thinking like Brian Rafalski is is coming to mind as I say your name. So it's that like American yeah. kind of Canadian uh, Canadian in me. I have a very Canadian accent, but Gareth Rafalski. Ruf- yeah, perfect. That's, That's perfect. not bad. Okay, okay. All right, not too bad. Yeah. And uh, we got you in the car. You're just making your way back up. Um, maybe for anybody who doesn't know you, can you just let us know who Gareth is? So uh, I am originally obviously from Ireland. That's by my accent, but I live uh, in London, Ontario now. And I am a short game and putting coach um, to some guys on the PGA Tour and a lot of girls on the LPGA Tour. So um, that's kind of what I do and what I'm kind of known for at the minute. Well, and uh, anybody listening right now, you can uh, maybe you can tell we got Gareth in the car, which is uh, which is pretty cool. You're making your way back up from you were down at the LPGA event in New Jersey last weekend. Yeah, so the the tournament starts this Thursday, so um, I had a couple of days where I just had to get down and see some players. You know, they've got a busy schedule coming up now. The there's a lot of money up for up for grabs now with the U.S. Open having ten million. Right. First on the LPGA Tour, which is incredible. Um, so, so there's a big stretch of events, you know. So tried to get in and get some work done with my players, and also, you know, it's a it's a great event there in New Jersey. Um, phenomenal golf course there. So tried to get in. I, I seen uh, I think eight players, eight players uh, between yesterday and today. Um, so just managed to squeeze everybody in there, and then. Uh, Sneaking home tonight. I'm actually. I have to be back at my club tomorrow because uh, it's our men's day opening, and I'm playing on it. So nice, nice. <laughs> I didn't want to lose the chance to play that. So uh, uh, I like. I like to try and play as much as I can. Not that it's much these days. What uh, club are you at, Gareth? It's Riverbend Golf Community in London. Okay. Um, so it's a, it's a great spot. It's right beside the London Hunt Club. Um, not that old a club it's only about 20 years old you know so but great Doug Carrick design and uh yeah no I've been there for 13 years nice now I'm out at uh I'm out at Port Hope and as we're having this conversation I actually uh, I didn't tell you when we were just chatting there before we hopped on but I made a hole in one yesterday so my brain is uh, yeah my brain (laughs) is a a little a little fried to be honest it's a I've just been thinking about it non-stop all day um so it was uh number yeah. one is that the first is that your first one it's my like for first legit one i got one when i was a kid on like a little executive course um at probably like 120 yards or something like that this is uh 191 yards uh faces directly into the lake so it was uh it was a really good really good hole in one very tough hole one of the nicest par threes in ontario uh really nice spot so um definitely uh definitely been i don't know on cloud nine all day everybody at work thought i had a little extra uh jump in my step today which was pretty cool nice oh, how cool is that Ty? it was uh it was a pretty cool feeling definitely a pretty cool feeling i actually had my little guy there too with me which was uh he's only eight months old so i was pushing him around in the stroller oh, so nice. that was a uh, pretty good memory yeah. to have with have with uh with him so 
I just thought, Gareth, maybe we could start off kind of telling us about the early stages of your career, kind of like what you got into. You're a short game coach. Um, what got you into it and like maybe why you chose that or kind of uh, was there anything that lent you to kind of take your career down that path? Yeah, so whenever I uh, I tried to play for a few years, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I think probably the big thing there was I was never a great ball striker, you know, growing up in Ireland, I think we had to scramble a lot more, you know. Um, so I kind of taught myself to be a good chipper, taught myself how to putt, um, and then kind of got good at those skills. Right. So the more I kept doing that as I was competing, I really just enjoyed it. And, and you know, it's funny, one of my students, uh, Michael Gligic, who's on the PGA Tour, we were playing a, we were playing an event and uh, it was just like a Great Lakes Tour event in Toronto or somewhere. And I just hit it all over the place and scraped it around, got up and down, managed to shoot like two under. Mike hit it fantastic, didn't make anything all day, shoots one under. And we're signing our scorecards at the table. And he's, like, he's looking at me going, you were, you were two under today? You know, going like, <laughs> really? Really? You were two under? And I was like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Got up and down quite a bit today. He's like, oh, okay. And he's, like, he's just see the wheels going in his mind. He goes, oh my god, this guy just beat me today, and he was awful, you know. And it was funny. After a couple of weeks after that round, Mike approached me and said, "Hey, would you help me with my short game and my putting?" Um, and you know, that's quite well, that, a few years ago. Yeah, that had to be a few years, years ago. And I, I saw that you were working with him just last week as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, Mike would have been. 18 years old at the time you know he's about 30 now 30 31 so you know 13 years ago so um that was one of the ways that i kind of got into the short game because i started because i was trying to play at the time and i had good players around me that were kind of asking me questions and you know and obviously i kind of just knew how i did it i didn't really know how to really teach it at the time so then I was like, oh, you know what? This is really good. And I, similarly around, I kind of stopped playing golf and decided to focus a bit more on teaching. And at that time, you know, there was some great coaches like Sean Foley was still at Glen Abbey teaching, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's how long ago that was. Henry Brunton was a great. There was like some really good teachers, but I didn't feel like there was anybody teaching short game. So I kind of just made the decision. All right, I'm going to focus solely on short game not going to bother about full swings or researching. I'm only going to focus on short game. And literally, I just studied as much as I could, tried to go to people who I knew that maybe were good short game coaches or could do it. And then speaking to a lot of really good players, I just kind of got an idea how to do some stuff and dug a little bit deeper. And then luckily, in my club at the time I had started, uh, um, we weren't doing a ton of lessons at, when I before I joined. And within two years, I was doing about 1,200 lessons in the summertime at the club, wow. um, which which involved a lot of short game. Our club is a uh, senior retirement community, so everybody at the club is 50 years and up. You know, so it was a perfect place for me to grow my skill set because how much distance are you really going to get a 60 or a 70 year old guy? You know, but could they scramble a little bit better, you know, pitch it a little bit better, get out of the bunker on the first attempt. So I got a, I got a great opportunity to teach thousands of short game lessons. And then obviously the more I 
taught jerking lessons, the more people would kind of reach out and I started to get better players and um, it just kind of grew from there. But that's, that's how it happened. Well, I'm sure too, like with, with some of the players that you eventually start connecting with, you're kind of learning from them as well, right? Like it's, you're picking up like little tidbits and stuff, I'm sure from some of their game. Like I know when I'm out playing with better players, like I'm constantly watching them to see what they do and what they might do differently. And I always kind of, I always felt like I had a good short game. I, I roll it really well, but like this year, the start of the year was, uh, I, I was kind of dealing with something and, um, got a friend of the pod paul park he plays on pga tour latino america so he's helped me with a couple of things kind of adjusting it a little bit and i know bryce and i were talking he hits it a mile off the tee and and uh i was kind of going through some of the info with him and he said i really got to make this episode because his short game is something that he really needs to work on (laughs) but uh i said well we're not here for a lesson but uh i'm sure you'll you'll pick up some things was was there anybody um gareth that you kind of like were watching and at like one point in time, something just clicked for you like that. It, it just kind of said, okay, I'm going to like choose that style or that training teaching style or philosophy, or did you just kind of like work that in yourself? No, I worked it in. I think the big thing was I was decisive in my first decision where I said, Hey, I'm only going to focus on short game. That was really, that, that was the biggest choice that I could have made at the time because I needed to set myself apart if I was going to, and I wasn't thinking about being on tour or teaching, you know, anybody like that. I was just thinking, how do I, I love this game. How do I make enough money that allows me to keep teaching and being around the game so that I don't have to go and get a real job, you know? So that, that was my, that was my drive at the time. So, uh, and I, and I knew if I had to make myself popular, I had to do something a little bit different. Um, you know, it's kind of like you said, like, Sometimes I feel guilty taking, well, I don't feel too guilty taking the money off the guys, teaching them, but, you know, because I'm getting so much value out of being around them and talking with them and watching them hit shots and letting them explain it, you know, because we could have we could have the same shot, but one player is going to explain it totally different to the other. And it's just, it's very interesting to figure out what they're actually saying because what they think they're doing, what they're actually doing can sometimes be very different. So we have to look, look and sort of get those things figured out. And it's been, it's been kind of fun because with so many really good players that I've had, um, I've been able to find little things that they do and go, oh, that's really good. I'm going to keep that. So, you know, my, my teaching style has basically been an evolution from really good players. So I've been, you know, obviously I've had some background because I was trying to study it when I was teaching at my club. Obviously the the amount of hours gone into teaching it as well. But then I think when I started getting out on tour a little bit, you know, I really got exposed to what works and what doesn't work because, you know, if you tell someone to do something at that level, they can pretty much do it even if it's wrong. I feel like that resonates a lot with my game where I'm thinking I'm doing something and then, you know, maybe I'll take a video of it and I'm definitely not doing that thing that I'm thinking that I'm doing, right? So as you get a little bit, older like my game is is uh deteriorating for lack of better words it's it's not uh you know i'm into my mid-30s now and it's just not as strong as it used to be but one of the things i always kind of try to focus on is my short game i always felt like i was like a feel player too um 
do you work in like a lot of technology or like, I know that that's becoming very prominent in the game, but like a lot of players are still like, I'm thinking back to some like the, obviously like even Jordan Spieth right now, like some of the best players on tour that are, you know, short game kind of really, really high end short game players are typically field players. Is that something that you find is hard to like work with a client like that? Cause they might do it a little bit differently. No, I think, uh, I think, it's, you know, technology is fantastic, but you have to realize is that it, all it's doing is giving you information. Right. You know, it's giving you inf- current information on what's going on. So it's kind of like what you were saying, you know, what you feel you're doing and what you're actually doing. So for, for me, I enjoy using technology, but I do not rely on technology, especially, you know, when we're getting into creative shots around the greens, we don't worry about technology at all. You know, maybe a camera, but that's going to be the only thing. When we get into some putting stuff, absolutely. If we're getting into some basic chipping stuff and pitching, absolutely. I think it's good to use the technology, but we would use it maybe at the start of a lesson, you know, because all it does is, like I said, it gives us some feedback, some information, points us in a direction. Um, You kind of see a lot of times I like the technology for the student because like, for instance, coming from New Jersey there, I had a new I had a new student that I was working with and I was trying to explain attack angle to them with uh, their chipping. You know, they're like, I'm struggling with my chipping. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, well, why don't we look at your attack angle? So I brought the GC quad out. I set it down and I said, here's the number. You just hit some chips. Don't worry about it. Let's see what you're at. You know, and we seen that they were at two and three degrees um, angle of attack down, which is which is quite shallow. So often when you have that and you have your hands leading ahead, you tend to get the club digging into the ground quite a bit. So she's like, oh, what, what should it be? I'm like, well, it's not what it should be. It's what you want to be able to make it. So every situation will require you to do something slightly different. Some, some situations you want to be shallow. Others you'll want to be steep. So we want to be right in the middle. So about six degrees attack angle five to six degrees attack angle down is ideal because then it gives you a variety of shots but it also allows you to be steep very easily and shallow very easily so once we got her into a better attack angle she could see that the number was five or six and she was playing around with the way she was able to do it to create that five or six and i usually let the player do it first if they can't do it then i'll jump in and i'll tell them what to do to get the number but I do like the technology for that reason, you know. Um, I, I don't shy away from it, but I do not rely on it. I think a lot of people rely on that. I could I could teach 100% without any technology, but at times for the student, it's kind of handy. Now, do you also get, like, involved in the fitting process of their, of their like, wedges? If, uh, you know, say we're just working on, like, chip shots, do you get involved in, like, the fitting with their wedges at all, the bounce, the, the bounce degrees, any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So what we usually do is we have we, we build out um, their bounces, whatever their bounces are going to be with their, their say, their 50 degree, 54 or 58 or 55 uh, and 60 or whatever it is. And we try to then have a double wedge system for 60. So what we'll have is a high bounce 60 and a low bounce 60 so that we can have um, options when we get the different turf because they're playing every week they're playing different turf yeah so if and you know even like up in canada there you get the spring where it's a little bit soggy 
So, and then you get the summer where we get into some hot temperatures, it gets a bit firm. Then we get back into the fall where it's a bit soggy again. So, you know, ultimately the ideal situation, if you could afford it, would be to have a high bounce wedge for the fall and spring and then have a low bounce wedge for mid-season. So we do a lot of that to make sure that they've got the right combination and then obviously making sure that they've got the right grind. So we may have to, you know, even with uh, Jin Young Ko, um, I was doing that with her today or yesterday, sorry. Um, we were looking at two different wedges from Bunker um, and trying to make trying to make the wedge kind of fit because she likes chipping with it, but doesn't love the bunker play with it. So we had to ground off a little bit on the back edge to smooth it off just to give us a little bit more bounce in the bunker so that it was, you know, versatile. It'll work from the fairway or from the bunker. So yeah, we do do quite a bit. Yeah. I guess I'm just like, as, as we're talking here, I keep having like Jordan Spieth come to mind and like how he plays like an extremely low bounce or grinds it grinds it well down right and he kind of plays that leading edge into the ground and and it's all about feel right and i think even in my like i'm canadian here so i'm a lefty as well so obviously like i've been watching mike weir forever and it's he's a great short game player and i think of like that weir waggle and how i kind of i find like when my game sort of starts to slip or my short game starts to slip i kind of bring that into my uh into my routine a little bit watch the face go back and things like that but it's one of the things that i found is a lot to work on like especially like you mentioned here in canada is when it's really soggy on the ground like being able to kind of pick the ball a little bit cleaner and maybe a little bit less interaction but yeah i don't know it's uh there's so much i feel like there's so much science that goes into it but it's still good to kind of not forget that element of feel right so can we yeah, uh absolutely can we talk, Gareth, a little bit about like your travel and some of those uh, some of those experiences? Maybe some of your favorite stops on tour. Yeah, so like I've been doing uh, so recently in the last sort of year, two year, two years anyway. I've been doing a bit more on the PGA tour, which has been super fun. Uh, we were at Harbor Town there a couple of weeks ago. I'd never been there, and what an incredible golf course! Like tree lined, tight it's 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 about precision you know it was really 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 fun to see that there um so it's uh all the all the golf that we kind of grow up watching on the pga tour it's nice because i i'm getting out there now and i'm starting to see these golf courses um even wells fargo there um in washington last week i was down there at that event and just a just an incredible golf course the weather turned nasty there for the guys but um you know, you really got to golf your ball. So it's been really fun to see those. Um, for the girls' side, I've seen, you know, it's been really fun to, for us to go to um, Europe. So the Avion uh, event in France is is one of my favorites to go to. Uh, it's pretty cool because you can just take the boat there. It's a 15-minute ferry ride, and then you're across, and you're into Switzerland. So you can go to Switzerland for the day there. Nice. So, uh, But you're, you're picked up on this mountain, basically. Um, and everything's uh, side hill high up or down there. So it's, you know, you really got to golf your ball around that place. And it's, uh, it's a great event, great major, um, super, super fun to go to France. But then also I love going to the Scottish and I love going to the British Open as well. So those are um, two of my favorites. And I feel like growing up over there, I think I, I add a lot of value to the players because that's where the creativity comes from not only in short game, but every shot, you know, 
flighting it low and bumping it around and putting it from 50 yards, you know, like those are the things that I think traveling is just, you know, so interesting that you get to experience some of these and like, you know, phenomenal golf courses, you know, like Turnbury and obviously they're at St. Andrews this year, the guys, which would be really, really cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I know it's, it's, it's been really fun. I've really enjoyed a lot of those European um, trips, uh, but also like, you know, Canadian Open, you know, going to London Hunt Club, we had Canadian Open and Ottawa Hunt Club. And um, yeah, we went out to Regina and out to Vancouver and stuff. So across the country, it's been it's been kind of amazing. And it'll be fun this year going to Ottawa because uh, obviously it's close to Brooke Henderson's place. And the crowds are just unbelievable for Brooke, you know. So it's just a, it's a very, very cool experience. If anybody's in the Ottawa area during that time, it's definitely worth coming out to watch, you know? Yeah. I think it's the third weekend in, or third week in August, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping to get out there too. And I know we mentioned, uh, St. George, which will be the, uh, the second weekend in, uh, July. So, um, that'll be kind of nice that it's, and that's pretty close to home for the both of us as well too. We're kind of, uh, it's right in the middle. So as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about my home course is Port Hope and, and it's, uh, about 130 years old. It's a very, very old course with some really old bones. So it's kind of got, um, almost that link style layout in some spots as you come through like holes pretty much uh, seven through 10 or so, like they're very old. And then we get a couple through the back, which is really cool. And you're kind of, um, you're just, you gotta be creative. Like I, the other day was, I remember hitting like, and I hit it pretty long off the tee, but I don't hit it this far. I hit like a 360 yard drive and I had, wow. Um, yeah. It was, it was just like, <laughs> it was like a, an absolute like monsoon behind me coming through or a tornado or something. Like there was just so much wind coming in through behind me that, um, and as you kind of catch the slope, it just kind of shoots up. And then I think I had, uh, about a hundred yards in and, and I'm thinking like, how do I even like hold the green? Right? Like there is so much, there's so <laughs> yeah. much wind. Like, I don't know what club to hit. It's gotta be, if I hit my drive that far, like, uh, you know, so it's just, I like those old style clubs. I, I consider myself like a, a pretty creative guy too. Like I like to get creative now. My game is at a point where, you know, if I'm floating around a couple over or something like I'm pretty happy with that. So if I can get creative and shoot a good round, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. Um, so as you kind of mentioned that in some of the old courses and I was hoping to get out to the old course cause it'll actually be on my birthday this year, but, uh, I got the denial and the tickets, but I, I uh, as usual, <laughs> but, um, who knows, maybe it'll happen. I, I think I'm, uh, I'm gonna unfortunately or fortunately be, uh, down in the States at that time, but I'll still be able to tune in and check it out. I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a pretty cool event. And I, have said on the podcast here, I think, I think Tiger, if Tiger's going to win, it's going to be at the, uh, at the open. I think that's, uh, if I were to make a prediction, if he's, if he's going to win another tournament, I think it'll be the open. It's not a bad prediction. I, I, you know, he knows that place. It's, it's got a lot of being the 150th. It's, you know, it's got a lot of appeal for him. There's a lot of motivation there to do well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And like, obviously Tiger hits it pretty far, but it's just one of those courses where he, it's not as demanding as some, right? Like it's not going to play 7,800 yards or, um, well, I guess it sort of really depends on the wind, I guess completely depends on the wind. Right. So, um, can we kind of maybe chat, you've mentioned a couple, but can we chat a little bit about some of the, uh, the clients that are currently on your roster right now that you're working with? Yeah. So, uh, on the PGA tour, I have, uh, Nick Taylor that I work with. Um, Nick's a great Canadian guy as well. Um, and Michael Gligic, 
So two Canadian guys, and then I do a bit of work with uh, here at Deckabby Barnrad as well. Um, so, you know, uh, Nick, the two Canadians are kind of my two main guys right. out on the out on the men's tour. Um, and then on the ladies tour, I have, uh, uh, I think, I think my total, the last time I counted it, since I started on that tour, probably, well, probably 2015, I've probably coached around about 80 to 85 players. Wow. Or worked with 80 to 85 players. So um, I've been fortunate that I've had three world number ones. So I've had Lydia Coe. Um, Area Jutanagarn and the current world number one who I work with is Jin Young Ko. So um, I've also got uh, Moria Jutanagarn, um, Emma Tally, I'm going to forget all their names, Mary Uribe from Colombia, um, uh, Nasa Hadaoka, who won the last, um, she won the event in LA yep. a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go. You know me, new. You'll be um, you'll be home by the uh, by the time we get through the yeah. roster. It'll be it'll be great, great driving for you. Yeah, like yeah, that's the problem. We start forgetting. Like, but at the minute, I have around about um, ten players on the LPGA tour that I work with. Okay, and you find that that um, gives you a pretty full schedule, I guess, at that time too, right, Gareth? Yeah, yeah. You know what? It, it's um, obviously it's a little bit more difficult to. Um, Guys are different, you know. They're just different the way everything's structured, anyway. So you probably could only, I could probably only manage maybe four, four or five guys, anyway. Right. Girls are a little bit different, you know. They're a little more organized. They they practice a ton more, I would say. Um, so a lot of the times, I'm you know one or two hours with them, and then another player one or two hours. So it's it, it fills up, you know. And, and you know when I'm traveling and I'm out there, you know I like to be busy. And also because I'm more of a specialist. Um, in what I do, they don't need me all day with them, you know. So it's like I, I know I'm seeing Gareth that like one of my players, Ejin Choi, um, a rookie. She's she's um, leading the race this year, the rookie of the year um, on the LPJ Tour. Really good player. I think she's going to win. I think she's going to win a lot. To be honest with you, yeah. um, she's been in the top. I don't even know if she's been out of the top twenty this year. To be honest with you. Um, so she's like knocking on the door. So I booked, she's booked me for like two hours. So we go out, do nine holes, seen a few things on the course we didn't like. Back to the putting green, did a little bit of work, and then we're good to go. So that's kind of a lot of how my day goes. You know, it's, uh, and some people are, it's great. You know, they just come in for an hour and it's more like coming for a personal training session, you know, like from the gym. You come in, coach is there, you're like, okay, let's go. And I just sort of, Bang out a bang out a session with them. Yeah. Make sure that their skills are sharp, and then they they're. I'm like, yeah, you're good to go. They're like, okay. If they're not, then I'll say, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. Um, and if they're if they're good, I just, just let them go. You know, like there's no point. Uh, I, I hate over coaching. I hate, you know, when people get over coached or they want to hang around with them just because they're they're having success with them. You know, it's if they're having success and everything's good, you you want to be out of the way. It's yeah. When they're struggling, that's when you want to be, that's when you want to roll up your sleeve and get dirty, you know, because that's, that's when you can get the real work done. Um, and I find that that's, that's really my job. You know, when things aren't going well, that's, that's where you really earn your money. When things are going well, you really shouldn't be around your player. Let them go and do their thing. 
Yeah, and I'm even thinking like Jin Young Ko had that record this year, uh, 63 green in regulations, right? So obviously you might just be kind of tuning in some some putting and whatnot at that point, right? Like you, when when she's firing that hot, you kind of you can just leave it alone, right? So. Hundred percent. Like uh, Canadian Open, it was interesting. It was like uh, twenty would have been twenty nineteen Canadian Open, and we'd worked together for about a year at that time, um, just over a year. And that was the first time that every time she went to hit a shot or a pitch or anything. Because she'd always say, oh, I should play it this way. And I'm always like, yeah, but you could maybe just add this little element or do this, you know. So it was always like a little bit of correcting all the time. Right. That was the first event that we were together that every time that I, she goes, okay, so I should play it like this. I just went, yep. It was like, yep. Yep. Play it like this. I'm like, yep. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I had nothing to add. She, she had she had all of the tools. She had all of the skill set. and. That was the Canadian Open that she actually went bogey-free. We had, we had no bogeys for the week. Yeah. Uh, interesting story. So we're paired with Brooke Henderson in Canada. Canadian Open, obviously, everybody's cheering for Brooke. And we're on the putting green. And Jin Young used the line on her putter, uh, on her ball. So she gets ready to, but five minutes before, she says, hey, the line on the ball looks off when I'm standing over it. I'm like, oh, no. Okay, all right. She goes, what do we do? Do I change something? I'm like, no, we don't have time. We're five minutes before we tee off. We, we, we have to go with no line today. She goes, really? I'm like, yeah, trust me, no line. She goes, okay, no line today. She goes out and shoots uh, seven under, wins the tournament, <laughs> which was something that she never did. And that was a, a change like five minutes before we went out to play. So, you know, talk about a player being able to adapt. Right. That's pretty pretty rare to have someone that good that can just be like okay i've been doing something forever but i'm i'm just gonna change it right now she's like robotic watching her too she's just so pure all the time like it just doesn't seem like she ever you know gets too high or too low it's well i guess it's just always kind of a high with her right so her game is uh it's pretty amazing and obviously that green regulation record is um you know, we talk a little bit about the men's game versus the women's game. And that's like something that can't be touched in the men's game, right? It's not a record that will even be flirted with at any point, right? So being able to kind of see that, I, I love watching the two sports I, or well, like the different tours and kind of seeing how the approach, you know, kind of how they approach the course and kind of dissect it. And like you say, maybe there's a little bit more practice that kind of goes into that, right? Yeah, it was interesting today. We were out there, I was out with Heejin Choi and, uh, Every hole, like, because it's obviously I teach short games. So, she, you know, when she's got me out in the golf course, she wants to do a lot of short game stuff. So, we're out in the course, and like, she hasn't missed the middle of the fairway, and she hasn't missed the green, like, even remotely missed anywhere thinking about missing the green. And we got like five holes in, and I'm like, let's not bother chipping. I don't think you're going to miss any greens this week. <laughs> let's just do, let's just do some speed work on the greens. Let's just concentrate on putting. Forget about chipping and bunker play, because. I don't really think you're going to miss any. <laughs> like she was hitting it so damn good that it, it was almost like a waste of time doing any chipping around the green. So yeah. it's like, she's like, yeah, okay. So it's, you know, I said, it's a little different than being on the men's tour because I feel like, you know, uh, Ari, Ari is very funny, you know, and she, one of the days I asked her and she's very strong. She hits a long ball. 
Yeah. I said, how was your game today? And she goes, I had a full Wi-Fi signal today. It was going so far right and so far left, you know, and I feel like that's the difference between the guys and the girls. You know, the guys, you're out there and you're climbing through the rough left and right and missing it. You know, obviously, you're just generating so much more club head speed that they're just, you know, it's very easy to miss a little left, a little right, where the girls are, you know, very steady, you know, very, very steady, hit it very solid. You know, and they're always in, they're always in the fairway, and they're always in the green. Like Jin Young's stats from from the fairway was something like ninety two percent greens in regulation when she's on the fairway. Yeah, it's it, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Like I'm thinking about yesterday um, through nine, I had hit the six fairways. I had hit all six fairways, and then I hit four of nine greens or something. I'm thinking about how many. You know, luckily, like I said, I made a hole in one in there. I think I finished plus one, but I'm thinking about how many shots I'm giving away just based on that and like the things I can do to, I don't know, kind of improve on those. And I almost chipped in once too. So it was, uh, there was obviously some points where I could have tuned some things up a little bit. That's for sure. Do you have anything planned for the Canadian open this year? Um, not much. So I have, uh, uh, Nick and Mike will be there obviously. Yeah. Um, so I'll just be, I'll be up there working with them. Um, I have a couple of clinics and stuff up and around that time as well. So I'll be doing a few, uh, I'll be doing a few things up, up around that time of the year. So yeah, yeah, I'm no, just looking forward to kind of being at home and can't sleep in my own bed, but uh, you know, it's nice to be, nice to be home in Canada. You know, there's nothing like it. Yeah, absolutely. I know I was talking to Jason Logan, uh, Probably about a month ago now, he was on the pod and he was saying how um, he's from Score Golf and mentioned how he's going to be able to sleep in his bed. Bob Weeks was on the other day. I think he said he can actually see the course from where he is, which was awesome. Like that would be so uh, nice for him to be able to kind of, you know, get out, walk down, you know, check out the event, whatever it is, do what he's got to do and then go kind of sleep in his own bed. Right. So um, we do the annual uh, master's preview with Bob Weeks and we've done it a couple a couple of years now so which was which was great and we get him right around that time and it's his busiest time of year so he's just kind of uh you know pretty tired guy i know he just did a uh, a marathon too so he just keeps going he just really keeps going the um Very cool. i was uh just looking through things on your uh on your site there the love to putt the short game video uh this uh subscription how does that uh like how does that work for anybody who might want to check that out gareth so one of the things that i often get and I, I feel bad about it. You know, we, we've limit, I have limited time and limited time to teach, you know, um, my juniors and some of the members and different people that I have. So I wanted to put, I wanted, to, and I still want to put more on it. I'm gonna, we're going to do a lot of filming this year. I want to put all of my information onto that um, subscription. So everything that I kind of know and think is important about short game, I want it to be on there. Um, the other thing is, is that I want it to be affordable. You know, I don't want to be charging, you know, a lot of these guys charging big money for people to get this information. Like mine is like $9 and something for a month, you know, come on, see if you like it. We've got about 130 videos on there at the minute. By the end of the season, we probably will be over 200 videos on there. And I'm just going to, as I keep evolving as the coach, I'm just going to keep updating all of my information. And I basically want everything on there so that if I have a student that's coming to me, I want them to go and watch, you know, go pay $10 and subscribe for a month. You know, if you want to cancel, cancel at any time, watch the videos and then come and see me for a lesson because 
I feel like they're just going to get so much more value because we can really, we can talk about so many more concepts because they've got an idea where in a short window, my lessons are two hour, two hour minimums. So when people come for a two hour lesson, you know, they're still learning a lot of concepts like low points, you know, and different things with how to move the club with different types of shots. So while it's valuable, they don't get as much as I would like them to get because the time frame is so short. So go on there, watch the videos. Even when you watch the videos, whatever I'm explaining becomes so much more simpler. Right. And then they have a, ref- a reference point to go back and look at the videos again um, and compare them and, and turn them into something that's usable for them. So yeah, my goal is to put everything I know onto that subscription, to be honest. Yeah, I was just kind of having a quick look, and I think it had 24 like putting videos, 39 short game uh, videos, which is pretty cool. Um, definitely, you know, a library that we can all use, right? Um, do you mess around with like the arm lock at all? I, I'm kind of curious because I I picked one up recently. Just I I was more or less curious, so I I just I uh, got it from a friend of mine, and I'm definitely a field putter. I've been playing like a heel hosel type Delmar. My, pretty much my whole life. I went from an Odyssey number nine to this putter. I played two putters my whole life uh, for 20 plus years and never really messed with anything. And I was just kind of curious what your thoughts were on it because I, you know, when we're using data, we're using a lot of information, I guess it's probably going to show a lot more, I don't know, stability in a, in a putt, but what are your thoughts? So if we look at, if we look at like, the best players in the world, just to start off there, the best players in the world have a variance. Let's say we look at impact. So start location to impact location, how much that variance changes. So if you hit, if you look at the best players, if they hit a good putt, let's say their face is open, you know, half a degree left or right. If they hit a bad putt, their face is going to be open, maybe 1.2, maybe 1.3 left or right. So the difference between a really good putt at half a degree and a really bad putt at 1.2 is very marginal. Right. So the arm lock to me doesn't make any sense for a player that's very good because it takes away from the feel. If you if you go put that on your arm, the feel that people have and be able to hit the right speed every time goes away. So the fact that people think that that's going to solve a lot of problems, I don't really, I don't buy into it. And I, all the people that have come to me and tested it, I've almost converted them back to a regular putter because I can prove that it's more valuable because we can create a better um, control of speed. Now, if we have someone who suffers from as, as far down as like Parkinson's, who have shakes or tremors or they feel a lot of movement in their hands, something like that can be a good tool for them because it does allow them to lock it in and create that stability. But if you're if you've got any touch or feeling you don't have too much scar tissue going on, I don't think it would be something I would ever put a player in. Yeah, I think just it, because I don't I don't think they can I don't think people control their speed well enough with it. Right. Um, and for that reason would be the only reason. I've measured people with their normal putters and have measured them with the arm lock. I don't see it. I don't see it looking any better for the player. It might certainly feel more stable, but even a bad, a bad player 
is only going to have the face open probably two degrees. Yeah. You know, so it's not not really saving us anything there, to be honest. Yeah, like I guess... Any testing. <clears throat> yeah, I guess that's kind of where I'm, I'm thinking of. I, I consider putting like the strongest point in my game, I, I, I believe anyway. And uh, like I said, I've always used um, kind of like a field putter. Um, and I was kind of testing it out and I thought it like desensitizes me or maybe not just me, but everybody to that might use it or a lot of players that might use it to the feel really. Like I felt like the, the ball didn't really move offline at all. Um, the distance seemed to be okay, but I just, I didn't know how I was kind of translating the ball to the hole, if that makes any sense. Right. I, I didn't really, yeah. it was just kind of like a movement catching the ball and the, and the ball made its way to the hole. So I don't know for me being like a creative golfer, I like to see a lot of movement in putts and stuff like that. Um, and I feel like it might take a little bit of that away and you're just kind of, I don't know, chasing the ball to the hole in a, in a different way. Um, hard for me to explain. That's why I was kind of just interested in your thoughts on it. And, and, uh, I know it's kind of a, it's a hot topic at times. It kind of pops back and forth with the broomstick and things like that. And, and, uh, they should be on tour, shouldn't be on tour. And, and you're right. Like if there's just those marginal little errors in a stroke, it's not going to make that much of a difference. Even over the course of the year, I can't really see it making any difference in strokes. Right. So. No. And Xander Shoffley was using it. If you remember that, Xander switched to it. Who's a very, He's a very, very strong putter. He switched to the arm lock, and I think it lasted maybe three weeks. And one of the things that he had said was he lost all his feel and touch. And, and the same thing you're talking about, that creativity, yeah. that ability to feel something and, and to touch it out, it wasn't there anymore. You know, So obviously it was an experiment to see if he wanted to get better, but someone who was a very good putter going to it and saying, no, that's not, it's not for me. Now, if you're a bit yippy, like I said, totally different feel, totally different sensation. Right. Might not be a bad idea. Might not be a bad idea. Yeah, it kind of just takes any like wrist hinge or movements out of the way. But I, I remember that. I, well, I forgot that he had done that. Bryce and I had talked about that because he was, I think, like number six in strokes gained putting, I think, at the time when he made that change, right? So it was kind of a shock to a lot of people that he went and gave that a, a try considering he was, you know, one of the best in the world at the time still is, right? So... Um, well, I think DeChambeau was the kind of one, like, he's looking at DeChambeau going, okay, well, he's 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 improved a lot right. by using it. Is there an advantage there or not? You know, so um, it's kind of like everything, you know, we all we all tinker from time to time. Is there a little magic secret out there that, that maybe we haven't tried before, you know? But I would say anybody interested should give it a go and let them sort of let them improves their line great but does it still allow you to have that same feel and touch and if it does hey definitely worth a try yeah that's kind of all it was for me was uh i don't know a curious moment so i thought i would give it a try but uh gareth we uh we really appreciate you taking the time i know you're uh you're making your way back up i are you any closer to the border yet <laughs> I got about five more hours to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least the sun's up a little bit for you. And then uh, I know you got a round tomorrow, your men's league starting up, like you said. So best of luck with that. And then uh, if I see you, I'll uh, come introduce myself at the at the Canadian Open. I know I'll be there. I'm not sure what days yeah. yet, but uh, I'll come over and introduce myself, say hello. Um, really, really Thanks appreciate sure. you taking the time. I know, I know your schedule's busy, so I'm glad we could do it in the car and uh, kind of eat up some time for the drive. This was great. I really appreciate it. 
No, no, thank you so much for having me on and definitely come and say hello. Well, you'll probably see me in the short camera or the putting green. So, uh, yeah, come, come find me there and say hello. I'll know where to find you. Just before we let you go, can we share your, uh, your social media accounts if, uh, if people want to come on and check out your work and your website as well? Yes. So, yeah, just uh, at Rafleski, at R-A-F-L-E-W-S-K-I um, on Twitter and Instagram. And then it's uh, rafleskigolf.com for my website and uh, my videos and stuff that's on there. I try and post a few things on Instagram and different players and stuff, you know, so um, I need to probably get a little bit better at doing a little more of that too. Well, it's hard too, though. Like if you guys are, you know, in the midst of working and stuff like that, it's hard while you're kind of taking video or doing what you're doing and trying to get, you know, the social media aspect of that as well. But it's pretty cool. Like I, we had, we were talking with a head cover company the, uh, the other day and he had just done up some work or he had done some work for Nick Taylor in the past. And, and so you had posted the video, like, I think actually that night or that afternoon, right after we were talking to him, which was pretty cool. And I've talked to Michael Gligic before and stuff too. So it's kind of nice to, uh, I don't know. It's nice to see those guys pop up, right? It's uh, it's pretty cool, and I know Michael's been playing pretty well lately too. He's had a couple pretty good weeks lately, so uh, yeah, obviously uh, the short game dialing in is uh, is working. It's doing uh, doing wonders. Yeah, fingers crossed. We keep going. <laughs> All right, Gareth. Well, thank you so much. Um, I'll go ahead and I'm going to link uh, those socials below your website as well, so anybody listening to the pod go over and check it out. Um, definitely we can all improve our short game in some way. Even Jin Young-Ko is doing it and she, you know, doesn't miss a green, right? So you, uh, you can do it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks a million. He's out in my ball and of course when I tee up, I lose a ball and I re-up. I miss a fairway, I probably end up in the ocean or maybe the beach and I'm on a part five and I'm finna go reach it. Second was blind, I see it. Feel like it might be an average. I was working scenario.